Welcome to Zichud Daf Siman Memory of Ram Goldhar, and today Masechus Beya Daf Dal, the first parak Beitz Shal Nol Yantav. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, a start in the brace that say in the name of Rebbe Yezer Beitz Teachel Hivi Ima, an egg that was laid in Yantav may be eaten, both it and its mother hen. The question asks what the case is dealing with. If the brace is referring to a hen. That's Omedus Lachila, that was designated for consumption. It's obvious that both the hen and the egg are permitted. If it's referring to a hen, Omedus Lachalabetzim, that was designated to produce eggs, then both the hen and the egg are prohibited. Rashi explains that Rebbe Yezir subscribes to review Huda's broad application of Muxalah, and therefore, since the hen was not specifically designated as Yantav Mil, both the hen and the egg are Muxa. Rabbi Zera answers that the Brisa means Te'achel Agav Ima, that the egg may be eaten on account of its mother, which Rashi explains to mean that if the hen is eaten, then the egg may be eaten. Abai clarified that the case is when one purchased the hen before Yantiv for no defined purpose. If he shakted it on Yantiv, the hen has been determined to have been designated for consumption, and the egg is permitted. If it was not shakted, it's determined that it was designated to produce eggs, and so the hen and the egg are muksa. Pointing to the Rav Masna said, If branches fell from a palm tree directly into an oven on Yantav, one may add on to them other wood that had been prepared for kindling and may burn them. The Gemara asks why this is permitted, given that when he arranges the wood in the oven, he will unavoidably move the prohibited wood, which is muksa. The Gemara answers, Since the majority of the wood is not muksa, when he moves the wood around, he's moving only permitted wood. Rashi explains that the muksa wood is batabarov, nullified in the majority. When the Gemara further questions why this is permissible, given the rule that we do not deliberately nullify a prohibited item, it answers that this rule only applies to the rices, not to the rabbanans. The Gemara goes on to clarify that even according to Ravashi, who holds, any item that will eventually become permitted, even if it's only prohibited now, is that the rabbanan cannot become batal, that only applies to the Eisigasurba'ene when the prohibited item remains extant. But here the prohibited item is being consumed in the fire and therefore may be nullified. I'm pointing with you the grass why we observe two days of Yantav and Gauls. Now that we know when Rosh Chodesh is established, referring to their knowledge that was gleaned from the fixed calendar introduced by Hillel, the final Nasi, at the end of the Amoraic era. The Quran answers, it's because of the following message that was sent from Mary's Israel to Babel. Be careful to perpetuate the custom of your fathers that is in your hands and continue to observe the treaties of Yantav. For someday the Gentile government may issue a decree forbidding Limon Torah, and because you will subsequently forget the intricacies of calculating Rosh Chodesh, you'll come to err. Rashi explains that mistakes and calculations could ultimately lead to eating chametz on Pesach. So once again, the three points are number one. It was taught in a brisa, say in the name of Revelezer, an egg that was laid in Yantav may be eaten, both it and its mother hen. The Gemara asks what the case is dealing with. If the brisa is referring to a hen that's Omedes Lachila that was designated for consumption, it's obvious that both the hen and the egg are permitted. If it's referring to a hen Omedes Lachila that was designated to produce eggs, then both the hen and the egg are prohibited. Rush explains that Rebeliezer subscribes to Rabbi Yehuda's broad application of and therefore, since the hen was not specifically designated as a yantav meal, both the hen and the egg are muksa. Rabbi Zera answers that the brisa means te'acha agav ima, that the egg may be eaten on account of its mother, which Rashi explains to mean that if the hen is eaten, then the egg may be eaten. Abai clarified that the case is when one purchased the hen before Yantiv for no defined purpose. If he shacked it on Yantiv, the hen has been determined to have been designated for consumption and the egg is permitted. If it was not shacked, it's determined that it was designated to produce eggs, so the hen and the egg are muksa. Point number two, Rav Masna said, 
It branches fell from a palm tree, directly into an oven in Yantav. One may add to them other wood that had been prepared for kindling and may burn them. They want to ask why this is permitted, given that when he arranges the wood in the oven, he'll unavoidably move the prohibited wood, which is muksa. The Gemara answers, Since the majority of the wood is not muksa, when he moves the wood around, he's moving only permitted wood. Rashi explains that the muksa wood is batabarov, nullified in the majority. When the Gemara further questions why this is permissible, given the rule that we do not deliberately nullify a prohibited item, it answers that this rule only applies to the rices, not to the rabbanans. The Gemara goes on to clarify that even according to Ravashi, who holds any item that will eventually become permitted, even if it's only prohibited now as a Durban, cannot become bato, that only applies to Eisil Eisura Be'enai, when the prohibited item remains extant. But here, the prohibited item is being consumed in the fire, and therefore may be nullified. And point number three, the grass, why we observe two days of Yantav and Gauls, now that we know when Rosh Chosh has established, referring to their knowledge that was gleaned from the fixed calendar introduced by Hillel, the final Nazi, at the end of the Amoraic era. The Gemara answers it's because of the following message that was sent from Eretz Yisrael to Babel. Be careful to perpetuate the custom of your fathers that is in your hands and continue to observe two days of Yantav. For someday the Gentile government may issue a decree forbidding Lima to Torah, and because you will subsequently forget the intricacies of calculating Rosh Chodesh, you'll come to error. Rashi explains that mistakes in calculations could ultimately lead to eating chametz on Pesach. All right, so now we go to our Simmer Dav Dalad, and our standard simon is a Dalad, a door. A door. So here goes. The hen hanging out by the door with an egg, waiting to see if it was going to be eaten at the meal, was startled when a tree branch fell into the oven, where food was cooking for the family who made sure to observe Yom Tov Shani with the festive meal. Once again, slow motion. The hen hanging out by the door, door, that must be one Dav Dalad. The hen hanging out by the door with its egg, waiting to see if it was going to be eaten at the meal, which reminds us it was taught in Brisa, Chem say in the name of Eliezer, an egg that was laid in Yantav may be eaten both it and its mother hen. Rabbi Zerah says that the Brisa means that the egg may be eaten on account of its mother, which Rashi explains to mean that if the hen is eaten, then the egg may be eaten. Abaya clarified that the case is when one perches the hen before Yantav for no divine purpose. If he shacked it on Yantav, then the hen has been determined to have been designated for consumption, and the egg is permitted. If it was not shechted, then it's been determined that it was designated to produce eggs, and so the hen and the egg are muksa. So the hen hanging out by the door with its egg, waiting to see if it was going to be eaten at the meal, was startled when a tree branch fell into the oven, which reminds us, Rav Masna said, if branches fell from a palm tree directly into an oven in Yantav, one may add onto them other wood that had been prepared for kindling and may burn them. Gamora explains that since the majority of the wood is not muksa, when he moves the wood around, he's moving only permitted wood. Rush explains that the muksa is batabarov, it's nullified in the majority. When the Gemara further questions why this is permissible, given the rule that we do not deliberately nullify a prohibited item, it answers that this rule only applies to the rices, not to the abundance. And being that the wood is being burned up in the fire, it's also not a problem of davershiesel material. So the hen hanging out by the door with its egg, waiting to see if it was going to be eaten at the meal, was startled when a tree branch fell into the oven. Where food was cooking for the family, we made sure to observe Yom Tov Sheni 
with a festive meal. Which reminds me, why we observe two days of Yantiv and Gauz, now that we know when Rosh Chodesh is established, referring to the knowledge that was gleaned from the fixed calendar introduced by Hillel, the final Nasi, the end of the Amoraic era. The Gemara answers, it's because of the following message that was sent from Eretz Yisrael to Bavo, Be careful to perpetuate the custom of your fathers that's in your hands, and continue to observe two days of Yantiv. For someday, the Gentile government may issue a decree forbidding Limonatorium because you'll subsequently forget the intricacies of calculating Rosh Chodesh, you'll come to error. Rashi explains that mistakes and calculations could ultimately lead to eating chametz on Pesach. So once again, the hen hanging out by the door with its egg, waiting to see if it was going to be eaten at the meal, was startled when a tree branch fell into the oven, where food was cooking for the family who made sure to observe Yom Tavshini with a festive meal. All right, now it's time for a four-block Dafnun Hay. So the Simran Dafnun Hay is a speed limit sign of 55. So here goes. The proud crossing guard holding the speed limit side speed limit sign, that must move on Duff Nun Hey. The proud crossing guard holding the speed limit sign, who would blow one long note on his whistle until all the additional animals crossed the road, which reminds us that after the more successfully refutes the ruling of Rabbi Yachim who taught that a separate set of trumpet blasts are blown for each Musaf offering, it asks how to understand the Bryce and the Pusik that Rabbi Yachim brought as a source for his teaching. Ravina said, Lomar Shemarichim The Bryce and the Pusik mean only that the blasts are lengthened, not that they are repeated. The Rabbanim Kasari is said, and then Rabbi Acha, Lomar Shemarbi The Bryce means to say that when there is more than one Musaf, we increase the number of trumpeters, but not the number of trumpet blasts. So the proud crossing guard holding the speed limit sign, who would blow one long note on his whistle until all the additional animals crossed the road, gave up when he saw 70 bulls head toward him, which reminds us, which reminds us that the 70 bulls that are brought in circus correspond to the Shivim Umos, the 70 nations, and they provide kapara for them in order that rain may fall throughout the world. The single bull of Shemir Yitzharis is connected to Umo Yechida. It corresponds to the singular nation of Israel. This can be compared to a king of flesh and blood who said to his servants to prepare for him a big banquet. When the final day of the banquet came, he said to his beloved companion, Prepare for me a small meal so they may enjoy your company. Rashi explains that it is as if to say that I derive pleasure from your company alone. So the proud crossing guard holding the speed limit sign, who would blow one long note on his whistle until all the additional animals crossed the road, gave up when he saw 70 bulls head toward him, guided by 24 ranchers who like to share meat equally on their holidays. Which reminds us, the next Mishnah states that during three periods of the year referring to the Regalim, all 24 Mishmaros were equal in the sharing of the Imurim of the Regalim and in the division of the Lachim Apanim. It was taught in the of the Torah states, Ubabakal and he comes with all the desire of his soul, and he shall serve. This teaches that a cone may offer kabanis even if it's not the week of his watch. To dispel the notion that this is even on other days of the year other than the Regalim, the Torah states Ma'akhid Sha'arecha from one of your cities. I've only said all Mishmars are equal when they enter one gate which is the time of their gone. During all other times, only Kohani of that week's watch are entitled to offer the Kabbanas. Dafnun Vav. So the Simmer Dafnun Vav is the Shushur and Shul going, Nu Nu, Nu Nu. So here goes. The Shushur and the Sukkah Shushur. That must be on Daf Nun Vav, Nu Nu. The Shushur and the Sukkah shushed everyone down so they could hear the Shechianu before the Lesha Basukah, which reminds us of the Mahoks regarding which takes precedence, the Barach and the Sukkah, or the Shechian Rav says that one recites the Lesha Basukah because he holds Chiyuvah de Yoma Adiv. The obligation of the day takes precedence. Whereas Rabbi Barachana said that one recites the Shechianu first because he holds Tadir Shenu Tadir, Tadir Kodim, when that which is frequent conflicts with that which is not frequent, that which is frequent takes precedence. The more attempts to connect this Malchokas to the Malchokas being Beisham Beisillel, regarding which comes first when reciting Kiddush on Shabbos, the Barach on the one and the Barach on the day, but concludes that they're not necessarily the same Malchokas. 
So the Shushar and the Sukkah shushed everyone down so they could hear the Shechianu before the Resha Basukha and insisted on getting one extra roll for closing the Sukkah door, which reminds us the final mission of the Sakti brings about Kokos regarding the division on the Lachim of Panim the rest of the year. The Tanakhama holds that the incoming Mishmar and the outgoing Mishmar split the Lachim of Panim equally, with each one receiving six loaves. Rabbi Yudah holds that the incoming Mishmar receives seven loaves and the outgoing Mishmar receives five loaves. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the two loaves are granted as Schar Hagafas Dlasos, as compensation for the closing of the temple gates in the evening, meaning that those who open the gates in the morning should have had the duty to complete the job and close them at night, since the incoming Mishmar is doing the work of the outgoing Mishmar it behooves the outgoing Mishmar to give one of their loaves in payment. So the Shushar and the Sukkah who shushed everyone down so they could hear the Shechianu before the Leishe Basukah and insisted on getting one extra roll for closing the Sukkah door was horrified when his little son told all the guests that people should stand in the presence of a Shushar. Which reminds us, two reasons are given as to why the Mishmar of Bilga was penalized and that it always by the Lachem Padim in the South. Its specific ring that was used to shack the carbon during its watch was sealed, so they had to use another Mishmar's ring, and a specific alcove to deposit the knives was sealed. It was either due to an incident involving Miriam Bas Bilga, a daughter of one of its members who became an apostate, or it was because the Mishmar was tardy in coming to the base of Migdash when it was their week to serve. The Gemara asks on the first reason, if it's fair that the entire family be penalized over one daughter's action, and by answers that it is, as people say, Shusid the Nuka Bashuka Odavu Odime. The utterances of a child in public express the views of either his father or mother. When the Gemara persists, and that's why the whole Mishmar should be penalized, by answers, Oila Rasha Oila Shkeno. Woe to the wicked one and woe to his neighbor. The Gemara concludes, conversely, it will be good for the tzaddik and good for his neighbor. Daf base. So the simmer daf base is a house. So here it goes. The kids were jumping for joy all over the house. House. That must be on daf base. The kids were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yantav, which reminds the opening mission of the Masech, the states, Concerning an egg that was laid in Yantav, say, it may be on Yantav, and Beishelah say, it may not be eaten. The Gemara asks, what type of hen are we dealing with? Rav Nachman said that the mission refers to a hen that was omeret to that was designated to produce eggs, and the one who subscribes to a broad application of the laws of Muxa, referring to Rabbi subscribes to also the prohibition of Nolad, while the one who rejects a broad application of Muxa laws, referring to Rabbi Shimon, also rejects the prohibition of Nolad. Beishamai permit one to eat the egg because they hold like Rabbi Shimon, who does not hold of Nolad, whereas Beishila forbid it because they hold like Rabbi Yehuda, who does hold of Nolad. So the kids were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yante were dismayed when they were told by an anonymous rabbi who was more machmi on Yantav, which reminds the Gemara asks why Rebbe who formulated the Stamishnais formulated those in Shabbos more leniently, like Rabbi Shimon, whereas those regarding Yantav he formulated according to the more stringent view of Rabbi Yehuda. The Gemara answers regarding Shabbos whose laws are more restrictive and so people will not come to treat us disrespectfully. Rebbe formulated a Stamishnah according to Rabbi Shimon, who is more lenient. However, regarding Yantav whose laws are somewhat more liberal and so people will come to treat disrespectfully, Rebbe formulated a Stamishnah according to Rabbi Yehuda, who is more stringent. So the kids who were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yantav were dismayed when they were told by an anonymous rabbi, who was more machmi on Yantav, that it was forbidden to eat, since it had been prepared the day before on Shabbos. Which reminds us, Rabbi's explanation of the Mishnah is that we're actually dealing with a Tarnagolas or Medesachila, a hen that was designated for consumption and is therefore not muksa. And we're discussing a case of an egg that was laid on Yantav that fell after Shabbos. And Basil prohibits its consumption, Mishum Hachana, because of the principle of preparation. For Rabbi holds that any egg laid today became fully formed inside the hen yesterday. And Rabbi follows his own reasoning, for he said, that which is written by Yabi Yomashishi Be'echino Asher Yaviyu, it will be on the sixth day that they shall prepare the man which they 
they bring, which teaches us that a weekday prepares for Shabbos and a weekday prepares for Yantav, but Yantav cannot prepare for Shabbos, nor can Shabbos prepare for Yantav. Basil therefore prohibit an egglaid on Yantav since his preparation occurred on Shabbos. Daf Gimel, so the similar Daf Gimel is a gamal, a camel. So here it goes. The camel rider, camel rider, that must be run Daf Gimel, gamal. The camel rider trying to dodge fruit falling from a tree and stepping in puddles of flowing juice, which reminds me, brings two more explanations for the Mishnah on why an egglaid on Yantiv is prohibited. Rav Yosef said, Gezer Mishum Paris on Noshin is a Gezer because it resembles fruit that falls from a tree on Yantiv, which is prohibited by a decree lest one actually climb a tree and pick a fruit. And Rabbi Yitzchak said, Gezer Mishum Mashkin Shazavu. The egglaid on Yantiv is prohibited because it resembles juice that flowed on Yantiv, which is prohibited because it might lead one to actually squeeze the fruits on Yantiv and transgress the Malach of Dash, threshing. So, the camel rider trying to dodge fruit falling from a tree and stepping in puddles of flowing juice suddenly knows an egg on the road labeled half food, half fruit. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks why Rav Yosef didn't explain the Mishnah. Like Rabbi Yitzhak in answers, the Rav Yosef would say, an egg is food and fruits are food, in contrast to juice, which is not a food but a liquid. The Gemara asks why Rabbi Yitzhak did not explain the Mishnah. Like Rav Yosef in answers, the Rav Yitzhak would say, an egg is absorbed in the hen and issues forth, and juice is absorbed in its peel and issues forth, in contrast to fruits, which are already exposed even before they become detached from their place of growth. So, the camel rider trying to dodge fruit falling from a tree and stepping in puddles of flowing juice suddenly noticed an egg on the road labeled half food, half fruit, and was a suffolk whether it had been laid on Yantiv. Which reminds the Gemara asks, why is an egg that was a suffolk whether it was laid on Yantiv, usher according to Rav Yosef and Rabbi Yitzhak? Why should the suffolk be usher since Kol suffolk the Rabban Lakula? Every suffolk the Rabban is Lakula. After considerable analysis, the Gemara brings Ravashi and Dav Daladamadal, who explains that the egg is forbidden because it is a Dabrashiyashim Matirin, an item that will become permitted, meaning after Yantiv, but called Dabrashiyashim Matirin, Afilbadur Rabban Lobatil. And any item that will become permitted, even if it's now prohibited in the Rabbanan, cannot become nullified in a mixture. Rashi explains that just as we're Machmir in a mixture, we're also Machmir in a case of a Suffolk. All right, that concludes today's shear. This is Rabbi Avram Goldham Zichu wishing a great day and great learning.